Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where we question if patience is really a virtue, but it probably is. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I have no patience. I am out of patience for you! Yes, tonight we're talking about buying games, but waiting. So, like, buying games later, because... We've noticed more and more that things are getting a little bit crazy with like the video game market in general, wouldn't you say, with the way the pricing goes these days? Yeah, the pricing and just the sheer just quickness of releases for some of them that you can't finish one game before the next one that grabs your attention and wants it for just as long comes out. So I have to wait for so, so many games. Well, and like I was thinking back to Titanfall and like Battlefield 1 and yeah. stuff last fall when we were talking about it because like you could wait two weeks after the game came out and then there were deals for like $30. You know, it was like mm-hmm. half price already. And some of that was because it was in that fall buying season where there's like just deals all the time on everything. But it's still ridiculous, like $60 down to $30 in like a couple weeks. So, yeah, I just I wanted to talk this. I don't even know if this is a huge topic but it's just like it feels like it makes sense to wait for games a little bit longer now unless it's something that you're like die hard you really want to do it day one for whatever reason but if you wait a little bit you get the benefit of like patches bug fixes a lot of the time you get free content you know i just i find myself (laughs) playing games and then finishing them and then being done and then a couple weeks later hearing about oh there's free content coming today it's like i'm not gonna boot that game back up Uh uh-uh you know, that's that's a big issue for me, too, because whenever I do get a game that I finish it and so many of them tend to be shorter than I want to play for a game that I that I pay full price for, if that makes any sense. I want more hours or more content if I'm going to pay $60 for a game. And I don't necessarily want to wait on that free content or DLC to come that that I feel is included in it and technically it is but i've already moved on to something else unless it's some sort of evergreen game and with episodic content yeah i got the i think last year it was two years ago now but uh, when i got um battlefront the star wars one and okay whatever edition i got was basically it was like the same price as a full price one but because i bought it digitally i think i got one or two of the dlc packs with it and I, I didn't have to pay any more for them. It was just included in whatever the thing was that I bought or got a discount on. Right. I don't think I ever played those. Like, I know that I own them. I know that if I went downstairs right now on my PlayStation 4 and checked it out, like, I could play them. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever did. That's actually the way it worked with me and Battle, not Battlefield Infinite, Bioshock Infinite, that I bought the DLCs. I played through one of the three. I went through the Return to Rapture or whatever it was called. And then I started the second one and never even played the Fight Above the Clouds, Clash in the Clouds, I think. I've never even touched it because I was already pushed through and done with the game. I'm wanting to go back and play it because I did buy it on day one and I will play through the other DLCs whenever I do that. But it's going to be a while. I'm, I've even waited on it once I pushed through and got the got the game that I wanted to play. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I do that a lot now. Like it's, you know, they try to give you these incentives to buy from this specific retailer or online or digital. And I mean, I always pick digital because that's what I want. I'm not really incentivized, but because I pick it up digital, sometimes they're like, hey, you get this bonus thing because you bought it digitally. And I just, you know, by the time it actually gets released, I'm done with the game a lot of the time. 
to the point where I'm just kind of like, I've stepped away. Like, I'm not going to go mm-hmm. back to it. One of the things that gets me about stuff like that are the collector's editions. There's the standard edition, the collector's edition, and the the digital deluxe edition, where they have these different versions with different levels of bonuses, where they want you to buy all of this, and you get this tiered set of new shinies. And I made the mistake of buying the Star Wars The Old Republic collector's edition that was like $150, and I will never Never do it again. And it's not because Star Wars The Old Republic is bad because I played it for a long time and got worth out of it. I still have the key fob for the, uh, what's it called, the authenticator on my desk right now. I'm looking at it, but it was not worth $150. It was shiny and it was new, but that really was buyer's remorse for me that I don't feel like the bundles that you get are worth the extra stuff that you get either in real life or the digital stuff i think i bought a couple of the bundles like that when i was a kid and i was only ever let down by them there was never anything that like blew me away and i got it out of my system early because i can't remember from like teenage years on ever spending money on any kind of deluxe edition or special edition or like well i mean collectible you know like the collectible edition yeah that's so much money because they give you physical goods with it yeah and i mean especially as an adult you give me like a physical (laughs) object and i'm like that's gonna clutter my house can you just throw this away from me so i don't have to that's how i feel most of the time the only ones that i really like that i don't regret having bought because i've i've i'm i'm a sucker for marketing and shiny stuff as we established a long time ago but i loved the world of warcraft collector's editions the art books that you got with it the mouse pad things like that the, that you would be able to use and look through and enjoy more than just having a statue sit here that is not going to go with any decor there's very rarely as as an adult and I know there are people out there listening who who this does not apply to, but I'm not going to be able to have just a giant dragon statue from the Skyrim Collector's Edition sitting around. I've, I don't have room. I don't have room for a Darth Malgus statue. And that's saying a lot. So, I mean, those kind of things I can't do, but I can use a Cataclysm mouse pad. I will keep hardcover art books on my shelf. Like, that kind of thing is pretty. I like those. But And it's just cloth maps I'll never use. That kind of stuff seems pointless to me now. But when I was a teenager, I ate cloth maps up. Well, and a lot of them now are just like statues, you know, or like figures or figurines or something like that. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just I don't have anywhere to display those. And they like you said, it doesn't go with any decor. And as an adult, I just don't know where that would even go in my house. Like, if anything, it would get shoved in the back of a closet, sit there for five or ten years, and then I would throw it away. So it's just impractical but i mean there's the other side of this too like that's the collector's edition type stuff up front if you wait like you know six months or it it usually takes about six months these days to get some kind of game of the year edition or like yeah you know if if it's a triple a game they find some way to say that they're game of the year you know some publication out there one person who wrote for one publication probably put them at number one or something close to it and so like Every AAA game has a Game of the Year edition. If not, they'll have like Gold Edition or Platinum Edition that comes out six months later and it's like all DLC included, everything you could ever want. And it's usually cheaper too. 
So And I buy those. I buy the unholy crap out of those. Those are the ones that I tend to go for. And it's not only just because of all the DLC. It's not because of everything that's included with it. And it's not because they generally are cheaper. Those are the ones that do go on sale on Steam and Humble and Green Man Gaming a lot. But when there are updates to the games years down the road and I still haven't been able to play it, because I bought it five years ago and I'm like, oh, it's in my Steam library. I'll play it sometime. Those are the ones that get the updates when they remaster them. Like Skyrim or Darksiders, I know did it when they did their definitive edition that I was talking about recently. It's because I already had it in my library and already had that game of the year edition of it. Yeah, and I guess I, I just wanted to get towards that a little bit. Like, how do we buy games and when are we buying games? And I know we've talked about it lots of times in lots of different ways, but just kind of like approaching it from this way, right? Like the day one purchases versus waiting, because like I've said in the past, like I pay attention to pre-release media, but only up to the point where I decide to buy a game. Um, a lot of the time I don't decide to buy a game. So I watched, like I check out all the pre-release media and then I read the reviews and I go, yep, that one wasn't for me. No big deal. Let it go. But if it's something that I know I'm interested in, I only read articles and i only watch videos up to the point where i decide to buy and then i go on media blackout so that's what it was like for persona 5 and that's what it was like for like mass effect andromeda those are probably the two most recent games that i did something like this with and in that case sometimes i still won't even pre-order a lot of the times i'll just wait for the day that it releases and then get it same day or honestly a lot of the time i Technically, if you looked at it, I pre-ordered, but really what happened is I want to download the game so it's ready on release day. So I'm <laughs> yep. pre-ordering, but it's happening literally 24 hours before the game comes out. I actually do the same thing on that with with uh, going on media blackout because I don't pay attention to a lot of the media uh, for most games, but it I turn it completely off if I that on purpose if I want to buy the game. That's what happened with Zelda for me with Breath of the Wild. I was aware of it. I was reading things here and there. I was I was excited for it, but I had no plans on getting it. And then the international Japanese trailer came out and it, when it showed the dragon, I was I was sold. That's when I got excited about it and didn't look at anything after that because I didn't want to know anything about the game. I I changed from the yeah, I'll pick that up sometime. I don't care if I get anything spoiled or I see anything or, you know, I, I'll read whatever I see that's interesting to no, don't you dare tell me anything about Zelda. I'm going to experience this firsthand for myself. Yeah. And I ha- I love being able to experience a game like that. It's so rare that it happens because they've turned into more like the movies with trailers and teasers showing the entire major storylines and climactic parts of the games that I... I don't want to see any of that, so I have to shut it out. Well, and it's fun to experience it with people as you're all playing at relatively the same time and speed. So, like, there's a lot of people that I'm talking to online about Persona 5 right now, but I'm not blasting it out all over Twitter because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone else. So I've taken You'll also get a cease and desist. (laughs) Well, that's a a whole different issue. (laughs) I know. That was so dumb of them to not let people stream it. Um... But yeah, I mean, there's people that like, you know, I might talk surface level in like public Twitter, but then we take it to like DMs or I have people on Slack that I'm having in-depth conversations with almost Mm -hmm. every day about what we did the night before in Persona 5 because we're all at about the same point. 
And oh, good. That's really, really fun to have, um, especially if you don't know anything going in because you did like the media blackout that we're talking about. Yeah. And it's actually astonishing to me right now that there was such a media blackout and that so few people know about Persona 5 because I didn't realize it had been out for so long in Japan beforehand. Yeah, it's been that, out for a while. Yeah, that I really figured people who were mega ultra excited for it would have caught it in Japan and just seen everything that there was to see already, like so many just hardcore fans are. Well, so like I was saying, like Persona 5 is a good example of a game that like I was so excited for that I did pre-order it. And that's one where I truly right. pre-ordered it. I paid for that like six months ago, you know, maybe longer. Like whenever yep. the pre-order went up on PlayStation 4 on the PSN store, I got it that same day because I was like, there's no way I'm going to miss this game. This is the platform I wanted on. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. Let's just pay the money so that it's ready to go, you know, when I get there. Um, but like, I guess along those lines... You know, whether you count that 24 hour before that I do a lot of the time a pre-order or not, which I don't really think of it that way, even though I guess technically um, I, I typically will pick up a game in the first week or I will wait months and months and months and I will pick it up for super cheap. But it's like if it gets yeah. out of that first week window when everyone's talking about it, um, I, you know, I've mentioned to you before, like how much I like to be part of that conversation and I get a yeah. lot of enjoyment out of that. So if I miss that release window and, you know. People call a release window like weeks or months. For me, it's it's like one week. Like if I don't get yeah, into it. Yeah, it's within the first week, week and a half. Yeah, if I don't get into it in that first week, week and a half, I just kind of let it go and I'll get back to it whenever. You know, there will be a time like Horizon Zero Dawn. I want to play that. I will play that and I will try it before the end of the year because I know a lot of people love it. And, you know, there's people who that's going to be the game of the year for them. And I really want to see what it's about. But I was busy with other stuff at the time. And I didn't get yep. it. And after that first week, I just was like, oh, well, I'm I'm already behind the conversation. I'll just let that one go and I'll jump onto the next game. I, I felt that way whenever whenever I saw it, too, because I was enjoying seeing so much about Horizon Zero Dawn because without a PS4, I was I. I I play games vicariously through other people, honestly. Not not Let's Play videos on YouTube very often, but I see people's clips and screenshots and their discussions and really get a feel for what's going on. And I loved seeing all the stuff about Horizon Zero Dawn, and then there was nothing. It just dropped off after about a week and a half because people either moved on or the conversation became normal and it went down to its typical dull roar as opposed to having those spikes of excitement. Well, and then all of the other games came out. You know, Zelda was out right after it and then Mass Effect and now Persona 5. Like, there's a lot of releases right around the time that came out. It came out first, which is good because it got attention that it probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't have if it had released a couple weeks later, you know? And that happens sometimes. But yeah, if I if I miss that first release window of a week, week and a half, then I just wait. And then, I mean, if you wait, you get such good deals on things between Steam mm-hmm. sales, PSN sales, PlayStation Plus deals that are always there, and like all of the other things along those lines. Like you can get games for so cheap now if you don't need them the first week. So yeah. 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 I mean, I I'm OK paying that premium to get them in the first week if I get to be part of the conversation. But if not, then it's like, oh, okay, I'll let it go. But how about you? I know you buy a lot less games than me, 
And I think right. you also pre-order a lot less than I do too, right? I do. I pre-order a lot fewer games than you do because I tend to grab so many of mine on sale. Mine are huge sale games. My Steam library is fairly gigantic because I keep grabbing things on PlayStation Network sale where they might have something for 274 or some weird number like that. I'm like, yeah, I'll pick that up. I'll, I'll throw my PayPal at it. And the same for Humble Bundle. I buy, I've bought Android games. I have an iPhone. I buy Android games because I can emulate them on my laptop. And I'm like, I'll pay a buck for that. And I've had to stop myself from doing that today. Actually, I was like, you don't, you won't do that for a while. So just stop. (laughs) And it, it was, I consider that a victory. And I love stuff like that. Game of the Year editions, when they go on Steam sale, I can get all the DLC for $10 for something. That kind of thing. I'll borrow from friends like I'm doing with the Wii U games right now, where I'm working my way through Donkey Kong and Mario Kart and Splatoon and all of this, where a lot of my stuff is so long after, like years later that i feel like i'm part of that old xkcd comic i don't know if you've ever read the xkcd comic where he talks about playing every video game five years after its release date yeah so that you have still yeah you still have a steady progression of mechanics and hardware and graphics and all of that and that's kind of where i am because i will play some brand new games that that when something grabs me i'm all about playing a new one but it's time and money for a lot of it totally and i think that i told you about and both of us now frequent the patient gamer subreddit right yes yeah, yeah, you told me about it, and I really, I don't chime in a lot on there, but either, I love no. reading the discussions of, I love reading the discussions they have about these older games, specifically ones that I've already played, or I will get reviews of things that I kind of passed over without thinking much about, and they're talking about just how wonderful it is, so I can go get it for a couple of dollars on, like, GOG.com. Well, and it's another way to be part of the conversation, or at least kind of like... true see an active conversation about games after they've left that first release window because patient gamers like it's basically a subreddit of people who just wait and get good deals on games later so some of the people in there are doing what you said you know they're running five years behind most of the people in there honestly run like one to two years behind the current stuff so you can i mean if you want a conversation about a game that you know is not in the mainstream gaming press anymore that's a really good place to go and it's a pretty good community on there too i posted a blog earlier this year when i found lego games when i finally found the one that i truly loved with marvel superheroes i'd posted a blog and then started this huge thread about it and i didn't realize i was going to get all the discussion on it as i did that people were just talking about how great all of these different lego games were they're like oh you need to play this one and this one and this one i got into this one because it was fantastic but you need to avoid this one and just telling all about these decade of games that they had played and they were it wasn't one of those toxic reddits like we've talked about where people are like oh no you just found the lego games you are you're a leper go like i don't know who does that but there i'm sure there's somebody out there who does that to people who just discovered lego games and these guys are not like that those people are wonderfully inclusive like oh cool you're enjoying the same thing i enjoyed let me tell you about it and i like that cool and then like i'm i'm kind of surprised that you don't do Gamefly like I do. Like every once in a while, yeah. I'll pick it up and I'll just binge on Gamefly for uh, a couple months and then I'll put it down again for a long time. But you were mentioning <laughs> when we talked about this topic that like you just do Steam returns instead, right? 
I do, and it's not because I'm trying to... Ah, let me think how to put I'm not trying to game the system. I'm not trying to make sure that I get to play all of these games for no money, because I know they flag your account when you constantly do it. It's like, if I were to get every $60 AAA release game and be like, I'm going to take it back now after I get a few hours in, I don't do that, but... I'd buy a fair share of of Steam games and I'm like, oh, cool, this one's on sale. I'm going to grab that. I play for an hour to an hour and a half and I realize I'm never going to play this game again. I don't like this enough to actually pay for it. I basically used that as a demo and then returned it. And I've done that for a few things. I keep doing it. We've talked about you and Forex games. That's me and building games. Oh, I see yeah. these sandbox building games. I'm like, this one looks fantastic. I'm going to buy it. And then two hours later, I'm like, I'm bored. I want my money back. I'd rather go to McDonald's. Actually, I wouldn't rather go to McDonald's. I'd rather have Mexican food than have this game. And that's typically what happens. Well, and like, I still think that if you've been playing video games for most of your life, like we have, you can get a pretty good feel for a game in like half an hour. Like you don't need a whole lot more than a half an hour unless it's there are games that are exceptions. Don't get me wrong. But of course, that's that's a pretty good window of time to like really see, Okay, what's the core of this game? And is that clicking with me? And if not, just, you know, if if it's Gamefly, return it. If it's Steam, get a refund, whatever else you need. Sorry. The main thing that I think about Gamefly that I don't do it because I want to do Gamefly. It's something that I know I would get a lot of use out of. But Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the reason that I don't. When Jennifer and I were watching Buffy, when she got me to watch the first season of Buffy, I told you uh, last episode that it was just kind of it was it was fine. It was weird and I didn't like it much. I got the season two disc in and let it sit on my shelf for about eight months before I returned it thinking, oh, I'm going to play that. I'm going to I'm going to watch that. I'm going to I'm going to do I know I'm going to do it with Gamefly games where I want to get Kirby Planet Robobot for the 3DS. That's a game I want to play, but I haven't had time. So I know the moment that I Gamefly it and get it in, I will play it for a couple of hours and then leave it in the 3DS and not return it and just have a Gamefly subscription that costs me more in the long term than just buying a game would the games would yeah and that's definitely a difference between the two of us because if i have a gamefly game i am trying it that night and probably putting it back in the mail that night too Mm. like i just i don't know with that kind of stuff i try to have good self-discipline so that i can just churn through it otherwise yeah yeah i mean i did the same thing with netflix a few times in college where like when we were still on the disc plan before everything mm-hmm. was streaming, you know, just letting a disc sit there. Cause like, Oh, I'm not in the mood. I'll, I'll get to that eventually. Um, yeah. I think it's easier for me with games because like I said, I can get a feel for a game in half an hour easily. Whereas a show like that's hours and hours that you're committing or a movie is yep. at least two hours, you know, or 90 minutes at the very, very least. So yeah, it's slightly different. Well, I wanted to say that, you know, you were talking about pre-ordering the night before, and that is so amazing to me that you remember when these games are being released, because I pre-order something when I see it, whether it's a book, a game, a movie, anything along those lines, because I completely forget about it existing. And then I get an email from Amazon saying, hey, your pre-order is available. And I get really excited because it's like a present to myself. Because eight months down the road, I'm not thinking about Pokemon Moon or anything like that. I just 
oh cool it's here yay it's christmas day from amazon but <laughs> i i pre-order things when i know i'm going to buy it for sure like you do but i do it so far in advance that i honestly forget about it okay fair enough um but yeah that was i, th- I thought it would be a shorter topic but this was good i was glad that we talked about it let's actually bump up one of the things from geekery and do a little mini topic here about the Star Wars The Last Jedi trailer. Because I know okay. we both watched it. Yes. I yes. liked it a lot. And I'm really excited about the direction it's going. Because it looks like they're finally going to get to, like, Grey Force users. You know? Yeah. Um, It sounds like it's time for the Jedi to end. Probably because, like I've been saying, if you guys have been listening, extremes are not the way to go about things. Like, Jedi and Sith, they're both wrong. They're both at the extremes they're both dumb for being at the extremes like you (laughs) need to find a middle ground you need to marry the philosophies like there's room for both balance doesn't have to be two extremes balance could be like middle ground and i've always found that the gray jedi and gray force users and gray whatever is the most compelling part of star wars for me and it's i've mentioned before like gray areas are the most compelling parts of other stories for me as well but what did you think because you don't feel that way most of the time i that's what i wanted out of this one because that's what i expected from the very beginning when they said the last jedi was that luke wasn't going to train any more jedi that basically the order as it existed was no longer going to exist the order as it was was no longer going to exist so he was either going to start a completely new organization or he was going to just try to get it back to its mysticism the roots and mysticism that you see on Jeddah in rogue one see there was something good about rogue one it got us Jeddah and uh that into canon see i can say something positive about it Aww. and i actually rewatched rogue one for the okay the second or third time um this week the first time since i was out of the hype cycle from theaters because right. i always i tend to always like a movie like right after i watch it unless it's extremely bad and i know that yeah that's why i try not to make big declarative statements right after i've seen a movie i say you know give me six months or a year before i really know how i right. feel about this one and rogue one i still like it i know that you don't but i definitely see a lot of the structural problems in act one and two but man that third act completely makes that movie for me like i'll give you the third act is really good it that, is, that is really by good. far the best part of the movie is the third act well and the epilogue is really good too i didn't even realize but if you think about the structure of it because like i said i was just in kind of like movie enjoying hype mode before like this time i actually was thinking about it while i was watching it in terms of like structure and a little bit more of the behind the scenes planning story you know what i mean um right yeah and there's there's an epilogue even though it flows seamlessly between act three and epilogue like the epilogue in rogue one is really really good and I think that like it just leaves you on such a high note for what happens in those last it's only like 15 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it it just totally makes the movie for me between act 3 and the epilogue. And I can totally see that. And th- I felt weird about the last Jedi trailer, you know, talking about you 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 taking time to uh you talking about how you take time and make sure that you come off of those initial feelings when you see something and and I, well, out of the hype cycle the last Jedi trailer, I didn't get excited about. 
I thought I was going to be excited about it. And I was sitting in Starbucks and I'm going to sound really, really pretentious on this is I'm sitting in Starbucks working on my laptop while Jennifer's in a meeting because we had to drive to Montgomery that day. And I'm texting, I think I'm texting you and Austin is texting me trying to get me to watch this. I know you and I both have one headphone in looking at this and, and trying to make sure we didn't miss this trailer. And it was fine. I liked it. I really liked it, but it was exactly what I expected the teaser trailer to be. It was exactly what I expected The Last Jedi to be. There was nothing in it at all, zero things that they showed that surprised me this time, which I know the movie will. I absolutely know the movie will, but the trailer for it is like, well, yeah, that's what The Last Jedi is going to be about. So it was like, Cool, I've been having this one in my head for the last eight months. Where, give me another trailer and I'm going to be jumping up and down excited. But I was I was more excited that they're taking it in the right direction <laughs> rather than doing something completely wacky and off the wall. Well, this trailer was, it's the teaser trailer, so it's more of a mood yeah. piece anyway. But I would much rather have that than have a oh, trailer yeah. that spoils everything. Like Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, this Spider-Man trailer that we talked about that we both watched... Like, I know what's going to happen in that movie. I know basically every story beat that's going to happen. Yeah, there might be some twists and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I, I know it already. And I have no idea. Like, I have some ideas, but they're for Star Wars. But they're like my theories, right? Uh, I don't know everything that's going to happen. And that makes right. me happy. Like, I don't want it to be spoiled going into them. And I tend to watch trailers for like every movie that I see. And a lot of trailers spoil the movie. Because yes. they want you to get invested enough to go see it. Um, and Star Wars is avoiding that. But the other thing I will say that I do completely agree with you, like, it wasn't unpredictable. And I don't know if you saw, I think Rob from the comic box, which you guys should go listen to. It's on the Geek Geek Podcast Network. Um, Rob sent both of us on Twitter the link to this and the teaser trailer from The Force Awakens side by side. And they're almost... I need to watch that, but I haven't seen it yet. Okay, go I've, watch it. I've got it, like, saved in my Twitter stuff so I can go back and look at it. Go watch it right after we're done recording because it will it will immediately become apparent why this wasn't surprising for you. It is, like, a shot-by-shot, beat-by-beat recreation of that trailer. Like, it is... I mean, it's not identical, but it is almost yeah, identical. You know, like when things get revealed, when the music swells, when characters' faces pop up on screen, and when shots from behind characters are combined with like when you see ships flying, when you see ships battling, when you see lightsabers, like all of that stuff almost exactly lines up between the two trailers. I really liked the poster, though. I got more excited about seeing that poster than I did the trailer because I was super excited to see Ray in this traditional hero stance that, yes, harkens back to Luke and the original Star Wars poster, but it also goes into this kind of traditional hero that, that is given, like Conan is in that in that pose on the movie poster with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you have Daisy Ridley as Ray being in this iconic pose, showing that she is taking on this new franchise. That's what I love the most about it. And I think both of us are going to be, I mean, I was excited by this trailer. Don't get me wrong. Um, oh, yeah, I was just, super. I was trying to engage with like what you were saying too. But like, I got chills. Like I got goosebumps because of it's, it's just Star Wars. The way it's presented with the music and the shots and the visuals, like 
I got chills. I love this trailer. I'm super pumped for it. And I think when we get the real trailer, whenever that comes in the next nine months, six months, whatever, um, we'll probably end up doing an episode about it because I bet yeah, you're going to be pumped sure for that will. one. Oh, yeah. I was happy. I guess the way that I should put it is that I'm really happy about this trailer, but I'm not excited about it. It's I'm that same that middle level of all right, more Star Wars this year. And come August or September when we get the other one, I'm going to be, oh my God, Star Wars, oh, I'm exploding. That's going to be me when there's a full Star Wars trailer. Well said. Okay, let's dive into our geeky offer of the week. This week we have Audible again. <laughs> um, you can go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geek cast and you can get a free audiobook and it helps out the podcast too so everybody wins. Um, my book recommendation this week is The Dispatcher by John Scalzi and I didn't know, have you read this one or listened to it? No, I didn't know this existed until I saw it in the notes. I am behind on Scalzi right now pretty hardcore. Okay, I'm recommending this one because it's one that he wrote to be performed as an audiobook and i don't oh. even i don't even know if the written book is out yet although it will be out soon and it's not a whole book it's like a it's not quite a short story it's probably a novella in length um okay. but it's a really good novella and it has zachary quinto is the narrator for it which is also excellent he is excellent yeah and the premise of it is it's a world that's basically like ours but there's this job called dispatchers because if you kill somebody in the right way, if somebody dies in the right way, they just wake up in their bed. And a dispatcher is someone who comes in to kill people correctly. Like, that's hmm. the whole premise of it. And sometimes when you kill someone, they don't appear in their bed again. It's like one out of every whatever, thousands and thousands. But most people, if they die in the right way, they just kind of revert a number of hours and they're fine again. And huh. it's a really interesting, just slight twist to the world that changes kind of everything that sounds wacky awesome it is it's interesting it's good sci-fi and it's kind of a modern day setting but it's definitely you know with a sci-fi premise to it so again check out the dispatcher by john scalzi audibletrial.com slash geek to geek cast and you can get it for free and with that it's time for our weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week you had a bunch of stuff, right? Weirdly enough, I did, because I thought I was going to have a single entry in Geekery this week because I've been so absurdly busy at work that we've been pulling such long hours to get all this stuff done. And I, I was realized so surprised I sat to see how much both of us have because you and I both had crazy work weeks last week. Yeah, it was nuts that we've barely been able to talk because of these two weeks. And it's like, I miss my buddy. Yeah, and then exactly. we come in and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's we've been our little bits of free time have just been sitting around either mind, not mindlessly, but just not doing our jobs. <laughs> okay, so um, tell them what you've been up to. Well, the first thing that I want to say is I may be the only person on the planet who likes Iron Fist. Okay. I liked Iron Fist. I haven't seen the entire show. I've seen the first two episodes of it, two or three. I can't remember. And I see why other people don't like it. And I see why it's slow and people don't care. But I like the show. I think there are issues with it, but it's still not as nearly as bad as people made it out to be. He's kind of a turd man, but like I talked to somebody on Twitter, he seems like he's Zen and then he flips a table and you can't be both. But other than that, I like it pretty well. I want to know what's going on. 
Okay. I'm I would be interested to hear what you think as you go further along. Yeah, I want to I want to know what's going on, so I will definitely it'll it's not a Luke Cage binge as fast as I can. It's a, I have an hour and I'm not doing anything else kind of show. Fair enough. Um I've been I I came in and looked at these notes and you had written TV slash radio BJ and uh, made me laugh because we're in interview season for the book festival I'm working on. And for those of you who don't know, I am doing a book festival called the Reader Riot here in Florence, Alabama on April 28th and April 29th. And our headliner is R.L. Stein of the Goosebumps series. And we're super excited about this. And so is everybody else in the world because we've been doing uh, newspaper and magazine interviews and articles and radio interviews and tomorrow i'm going to be on tv for the first time void and i'm both excited and scared i'm gonna i'm going to be a goober i'm gonna be ben wyatt on parks and rec on television i'm i'm just gonna let jennifer talk a bunch i think you'll be fine but good luck and use all your podcasting skills and try to keep your body still You'll be fine. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I, that, that's the big part. That's actually what I'm worried about is keeping my body still because I fidget so much and I'm always moving. That's what I'm scared about. Yeah, we'll see. You can report back next week. <laughs> yeah, and if there's a YouTube clip, I'll share it with you guys so that uh, so, <laughs> so that you can make fun of me. Uh, have you have you played Cosmic Star Heroin yet? No, I'm still super excited for it, but I have been spending most of my free time with Persona 5. So that I will get to sense. it, and I'm pretty sure when I do get to Cosmic Star Heroin, I, I'm just going to binge it in like one week. That Yeah, you will. I totally see that. Well, if for those of you who don't remember, last summer when we did a podcast, Void introduced me to the idea of Cosmic Star Heroin when we were talking about, our, about Japanese RPGs. So go listen to our JRPG episode to have the... the the backstory on this one, but I pre-ordered it while we were recording and it came out this week and I started playing it and it's great. It's an indie JRPG that is really based around Chrono Trigger and Fantasy Star. I won't say Fantasy Star Online because that's the one I've played the most of, but Fantasy Star and it's really good. It's definitely an indie game. You can't get around that it's an indie game. It does not have the polish of a AAA Square Enix Triple A, I've said Triple A like four times right now. It does not have the polish of a Triple A JRPG like Square Enix would be putting out, but it is really good because the battle system is fantastic. The writing is fine. There are lots of stories and and just kind of jokes about other games, but the battle system is so much fun. It is truly turn-based, and you get one set of moves that you can do. You might have a reusable move, but once you run out, it's kind of like the Dungeons & Dragons wizard. You have to take a turn. Well, wizards have to take longer than a turn, but you take a turn and have to recharge all of your abilities. So it puts a lot of strategy in how you do things as well. I really like it. Yeah, and I, I will get to it and I'm excited for it. And this might be one where it might make sense to do a whole episode and invite a bunch of people to comment and like participate as a community because it's like the inspiration where it's coming from is a good spot. Um, I really like the developer. I've played a bunch of their stuff mm -hmm. in the past, but it's also like a 15 to 20 hour JRPG. It's yes. not like Persona 5 that, you know, people are like <laughs> 80 to 120 hours. It's not one of those. 
it's it's like 15 to 20 hours some people are beating it even faster than that so this might be a good one to kind of like play and talk about as a community yeah and it's cheap as well because it's an indie game i grabbed it for 11 dollars, brand new on a pre-order see i pre-ordered this one you guys when he told me about it because i didn't know when it was coming out and i just wanted to be reminded of it and it happened i also i've been listening to podcasts a little uh, more than usual and i think it's funny because I've mentioned this before, how you don't like listening to social media and marketing podcasts when you're in your free time, because that's kind of what you're doing. And that's in the realm of your job job. Yep. And that's what I want to listen to. Those are the kind of things that keep me engaged and going that as it's going to sound really terrible. But for the most part, I can't listen to podcasts like this one because I feel like I need to be listening to marketing podcasts or something like that, because I feel like it's nonfiction and you know how I get weird about nonfiction stuff and that's where I have to uh, get audio stuff and I found I've talked about the science of social media the buffer podcast before it is straight up my favorite podcast so I've been listening to it a lot and they had Jay Bear as a guest on one of their more recent episodes and he is just this huge marketing and social media guy a lot of listeners may listen to his podcast social pros and I just discovered it it and it's fantastic that it's really made me think about the way that we do social media, the way that I do social media and approach it for jobs and clients as well. Just in addition to, you know, doing it for the podcast and the network and all of this. So I like that kind of stuff so that uh, I can take it and then apply it. And I think I'm going to do that with Jay Bear's stuff. So you guys should definitely go listen to social pros and the science of social media. Good stuff there. If you're not like Void and avoid that in your free time. Hey, man, I do, or do you I do lots avoid of stuff. Avoid it. Yeah, exactly. I do marketing all day, every day for my job. So I don't need to do that with my free time. Yeah. I spend plenty of time on it already. And you should also go watch the Food Wishes TV or YouTube channel. The Food Wishes YouTube channel is wonderful. It's three to five, six minute videos of a guy named chef john who just puts together these beautiful recipes and he is a delight to listen to he makes puns and they're ridiculous and i laugh so hard at just these awful 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 cheesy puns that he makes and it would be a cheesy pun if he was making something with cheese and it's it makes me so happy, and I just want everybody to watch his show because he's made me very happy this week to watch just these recipes over and over and over again. Yeah, my wife and kids watch that a lot, and they like it. I Actually, guys, my wife did my mic check for me this week just because <laughs> she was in the room, and she was like, oh, let me do it. So she ended up talking to BJ for like 15 minutes about food wishes, Um, and she recorded an intro for me just because maybe I'll, I should probably throw that at the end of the episode. Um, You totally should. Yeah, but no, Food Wishes and is Boyd cool. And Void made her leave. Well, we had to record. We had to make a podcast for the people. Sure. You t- you took my food buddy away, Void. I know. We'll have to do a podcast with like us and our wives one of these days, and that'll be... That would be awesome. It, it would be. It's just that I'm the editor, so that becomes a lot more work. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so this week for me... Um, Uh, Things have been crazy at work because we were moving offices. We were taking a couple different office locations and combining them under one much bigger roof in a new location. And we don't really have IT. So I'm very technically inclined 
So I was one of the few kind of de facto IT guys. So I've been doing a lot of that, which is not my normal day-to-day marketing stuff. Um, the way that ties into geekery is back up your data, guys. Like, <laughs> seriously, get off-site backups of your data. Do it, because if you don't, you're going to regret it. Like, if it's in the cloud, if it's, like, you know, a hard drive that you ship off just... Do something to back up your data, and if you're like me, you think about doing it every once in a while, and then you forget about it until someone else mentions it. So I just thought, while it was on my mind, I should mention it, and maybe at least one of you will, like, do it, and it'll save you long-term. Like, get something like Backblaze, or just put everything into, like, a cloud drive that you care about, all your family pictures. Do off-site backups for your data. That was yeah, one of really the things. Should. The other thing is Amazon Prime Now, which I've used a ton in the past personally. And usually when I buy, use it personally, it's because it's Friday night and I was really good at the store that week and I didn't buy any junk food or candy or chocolate. And then I regret it because it's Friday night and I don't have any junk food or candy or chocolate and I need it in two hours. So I buy Amazon Prime Now stuff in that situation. Um, but <laughs> so I, I already knew it was good, right? <laughs> You get candy delivered home. That makes me so happy. That's my primary use case for Amazon Prime now. Um, I'm so happy right now. But uh, so Amazon Prime now, if you don't have it in your area or you've never looked into it, um, Amazon Prime, you can get things shipped to you in two days. If you're a Prime member and you have Prime now in your area, you can get things delivered to you in two hours. But it's a much limited, like much more limited selection. But if they have the things you need, you just pick your delivery window and you get it delivered to you. So becoming a de facto IT guy for a couple weeks here, setting up a new office, I constantly needed things. And there were days where I used every single delivery window for Amazon Prime now with like, you know, company money, not my personal money. But I, I had Amazon just coming to me over and over. It's like network cables, mice, keyboards and then you forget a bunch of like power strips and then you need a bunch of batteries it's just like thing after thing after thing like there was one day where i legitimately used every single delivery window every every two hour block i got at least one thing from amazon prime now so i had to mention it because i knew personally it was great for candy but professionally it's really really nice if you have to like do a bunch of stuff in an office and you can't leave because work is crazy Oh, when you told me about doing that, I meant to tell you, I have a friend who ended up getting a Switch for $14 because of Amazon buying for work, that you should have done this with all the stuff that you were buying. He had the Amazon, I think it was the 5% cashback thing, and he had to buy around $10,000 worth of stuff for his uh, for his business, for his company, and he got reimbursed on it, and then he kept was able to keep, they let him keep the cashback on it, and so he was able to buy a switch for $14 using that. Wow, that's sweet. Yeah, it was awesome. I was like, you should totally do this with Amazon Prime now. But <laughs> I didn't know if they would let you keep the cash back. Yeah, that's no, that's not at all. I'm not going to get into the way things are paid for, but no, that wouldn't oh, have yeah, worked yeah, in yeah, my yeah, case. But, was... um, but a nice thought anyway. And then between the craziness of setting up a new office, um, I just needed something, some kind of game. So there was one that keeps popping up like on Steam and I see friends playing it and I see it on the App Store all the time. It's called Adventure Capitalist. Have you ever seen this one, Beach? I've seen it pop up. I've not touched it, but I've seen it pop up. It is a clicker game. Like there's, it is a clicker game. There's nothing okay. else beyond that. I mean, it is what it is. And I played it fairly heavily for like six days because I only had five minutes at a time. Like I was going okay. like crazy the last couple of weeks and things are finally slowing down. So I'm done with it. Like 
but when I just needed something to disconnect for a couple minutes at a time between the craziness of work, um, this was kind of perfect because like I would do a bunch, I would upgrade a bunch of things, you know, I would hire some more managers to do my whatever capitalist things in the game. And then I would set it down and I would come back a couple hours later and it had made a bunch of fake money for me. And it's <laughs> dumb. It's a clicker game. There's nothing more to it, but I played it a bunch. So I should mention it because if you're in the market for a clicker game for a little bit, it's not bad for what it is. Yeah, that's and sometimes you need one of those. I I'm actually sad right now that the only clicker game that I, I really have on my phone is Mario Run. And that I guess not, Future Fight no, no, Candy. No, 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 that's not a clicker game. Do you know what I mean okay. when I'm saying clicker game? Well, apparently not. Like, because I was just thinking of something I didn't have to think about that wasn't really strategy. That I just sit there and just hold the button and just tap it and click over and over again. No, so no, no. Apparently, clicker I don't. games are like you tap a thing and then you get fake money that you can reinvest to make it so that when you tap things, it's more effective at tapping things. And then you can hire things nope. to like automate these processes. Have you ever played one of those games? They're surprisingly no, addictive. Because that sounds like the most miserable experience I could have. Yeah, it sounds that like is... that. And it's it's like just dopamine hit after dopamine hit. And once you see through it, you're kind of like, oh, okay. And I've played these before in other forms. But every once in a while, I'm just like, I just need a couple of days of a clicker game. And um, <laughs> I guess another name for them is an idle game where you can kind of set it yeah. up and do a bunch of stuff first. And then you can just step away and it keeps playing itself essentially until you come back to it yeah i could see that i don't think that's my kind of game at all but i totally see how that is a within the a certain realm that is the perfect thing to fill that particular need and it's not my kind of game long term but every once in a while i just need a day or two of that and it's like that's it and then i'm done because i get bored of it too um so yeah adventure capitalist if any of that sounds like fun it's not necessarily fun but it's like if you're in the right circumstance it might be the game that you need for for just a little bit um besides that the thor trailer came out this this week did you see oh. it i thought it would be on your geekery I, 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 he's a friend from work okay you of did course see he it. should be on my geekery um i thought it was I, fine i i don't have like great. the comic knowledge to back it up like i know just enough to kind of get the premise but my only real takeaway is that like yeah, this seems like the Thor movie that I want to watch, but I'm not yes. super excited for it or anything. I'm super excited because I really like Thor 1 and 2, and I know that you did not like Thor 2, but I like the characters, even though the movie itself was not very good, so it ranks higher for me because I got to see characters I like doing funny things. And so Thor 3 seems like it's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy meets Thor because they seem to be going in the James Gunn style of humor in this one. And that's perfect because I loved these for their humor anyway in these characters. So if they move in the Guardians direction and the way that they're handling everything and the aesthetic even looks kind of like it, they're going different routes with it. So I'm super excited for this one. I didn't know what to expect with them trying to combine multiple storylines and World War Hulk and or not World War Hulk, uh, Planet Hulk. I didn't know what they were going to be doing, but it looks good. I can I can see this one being probably one of my favorite Marvel movies if it's done right. I doubt it will be one of my favorite Marvel movies, but I mean, from what I saw, it's probably going to be my favorite Thor movie because I didn't okay. really like two and one was OK, but I didn't love it. Right. Um, it was just it was fine for the time that it came out. It was very early in the MCU. 
Um, I'm also crazy about science fantasy too. So that's part of it where I see this and it is the absolute perfect aesthetic for me. I did like that it had kind of that Guardians of the Galaxy flavor to it. And mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm excited for Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which is out in like a couple weeks. It snuck up on us. Yeah. Yeah. It did. It completely snuck up on me. I didn't know it was coming out until I saw an ad for it on Hulu the other night. We might have which to do also, an episode on that. I would like to say that speaking about movie trailers that don't let you know, that let you know what the movie is about, Guardians still have no idea what the movie's about, but I know I really want to see it. Yes. Me too. Okay, so outside of trailers and the other stuff I talked about, um, the last thing, Persona 5, like honestly, the most, like the majority <laughs> of my free time in the last week has still been Persona 5. And I realized that, that we're probably not going to do a full episode on it. Beige, you're just not going to like play it in a timely manner. And that's fine because I know there's you. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way. Um, So I think instead of trying to like make it a topic and shoehorn it in, I'm just going to do like a little persona 5 corner here every week while i'm playing it and just cover one area of it instead of trying to like get all my thoughts out at the same time does that sound okay yeah i'd say i want to hear about it i want to know because i've played i haven't even been able to play any of persona 4 this week because of cosmic star heroin taking my my rpg time so i've wanted to know what is so great about this one and like what it's about because i've seen screenshots now and i totally see the stylization that you're talking about how stylish it is and i've seen a couple of videos of just just that kind of thing and I want to know what it is because I don't have a PS4, so it's going to be a long time before I get a chance to play it. But I do want to know about it. Yeah, so I talked about the style last week, and I thought I'd talk a little bit about the premise this week because I didn't really last time. Um, it's basically every Persona game, you are a Japanese high schooler, and you are coming to a new school for whatever reason. You usually transfer student. Um, it's not always clear why, but that's kind of the the setup, right? And... In Persona 5, you are a transfer student because you are viewed as a delinquent from where you used to live. Like, you got into an altercation with an adult, and it's not clear right away what it was, but something happened, and you got suspended, and you're on parole for a year. So your parents transfer you away. Um, They found, like, a guardian to watch you. But everybody just has this negative opinion of you going into it, right? They see you as someone who is dangerous and like not to be like they just don't treat you nice right they don't treat you as a productive member of society um because they think like that you were involved in something some kind of altercation some kind of assault or something um and like they don't really know and you don't really know as the player starting off but you're you're still that general premise of coming to a new high school right as someone who's like in japanese high school and you find out that the assault that happened was really a man was assaulting a woman and you stepped in and stopped him. And then he blamed you because like when you stopped him, you shoved him and he got hurt and he pressed charges against you. So it's not that you're a bad person, but you got a bad rap because adults were doing bad things and they blamed it on kids and kids can't really stand up for themselves. And that becomes what the entire game is about is adults doing bad things and kids not always having a recourse to fix them so you Um. and the people that you build up around you that you are called the phantom thieves you like self-style yourself you know that way um right there's always a, a some kind of alternate reality in persona games like in persona 4 i don't know how far you got but there's a world that you can get to by going inside of a tv 
Yeah. Um, for- uh, I'm just past where you learn how, and I'm in there for the first time that they ever do it on purpose. Okay. So Persona 5, you have like a navigation app on your phone. It's more modern, right? Everyone has cell phones, like smartphones. Um, there's some weird app on your phone, but it lets you get into this like metaverse. And if somebody is corrupt enough, like an adult has desires that are corrupt enough or they're a bad person and they're like hiding these things, um, they have essentially like a palace, like a mind palace that has been created because of their twisted desires. And when you huh. go into this alternate reality, you can sneak into that palace, which is why you're thieves, right? You're not like doing a full frontal assault ever. You're like sneaking your way in. And if you get to the center of their palace, you can find like their desire, which shows itself as a physical treasure in that alternate reality. Okay. And if you steal that, you can change their heart, which in turn makes them confess their crimes. So, huh. It's about fixing the real world where adults are mean to kids and kids can't necessarily do anything about it by making your team of like superhero persona people in the metaverse that can go in, sneak into somebody's mind and then steal their treasure, like their dark secret and expose it to the world. That is the premise of this game. That is super weird. It's very Japanese. I like it. Yeah, it, it is very Japanese. That is very anime. But I kind of like that. I like I like video game anime, I've realized, because Persona is very anime as, as a rule. But I like video games as anime. Just don't like the TV shows, movies. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you, too. So uh, the whole cast is kind of the the rejects and the rebels of like high school you know in society like the kids that don't quite fit in or they're outcast for whatever reason and you all band together to become the phantom thieves so as i go on and i find more characters and they get linked in in different ways um it's it's really interesting because the first couple are fairly predictable you know they're just like people that had a bad history like you and they're kind of outcast now but then some of the other people are like they feel isolated for completely other reasons like um the first girl who joins your party when you are talking to her and you don't even realize she's going to become a party member, she seems vapid and shallow and like she's fed up with beauty and like being a model and all this kind of stuff. Like the kind of person that, you know, the kind of person I'm talking about, right? That stereotype. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then when you get to know her, you find out that she feels like a reject from society because everybody views her that way. And there's so much more to uh, her. Okay. Right. And then there's like a painter that you can get later and he just feels isolated because of his art. And there, there are more and more people, like, I don't want to get too far into it because I don't want to, like, spoil all the people in the game. But there are more reasons than just being, like, a general, like, people look down on you. You know, there are other ways to feel outcast and rejected. And those people band together in very interesting ways. So is this a party building RPG where you can get so many different characters and have to choose? Or is it a kind of RPG where you have a set cast and just use them kind of like a Final Fantasy game? It's kind of like a Final Fantasy game, but the people are more like they all level up behind the scenes. If you don't have them in the party actively, no one ever falls behind. So you're very encouraged to like switch people in and out in a good way. It's not one of those games that has a hundred characters or whatever. Good. I'm guessing those are actually intimidating for me. They are. They're really intimidating. I'm guessing, and I don't know. So this isn't a spoiler. I'm just guessing based on like the menu sizes and stuff that there's probably seven or eight party members when all is said and done. Yeah, because that's one thing that's actually scaring me a little bit about Cosmic Star Heroine is that they're billing it as something to find all of these characters and make sure you can collect the party members. 
Yeah, and all of the party members are confidants, which is this game's version of social links from the other games. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about those. That's a whole other mechanic and a whole other set of things. I'll talk about those another week. But the thing that I should mention, because it ties in so closely to the premise, is the holdup mechanic. So it, it, there's a, a JRPG battle system in place, and the base of it is the same as like the other Persona games that I played. But if you manage to knock everybody down, which if you hit their weak point, a character gets knocked down. And then in the other Persona games, you would get an all-out attack on them, right? I don't know if you played enough of yeah. Persona 4 to have uh-huh. that happen yet. Yes. Okay, so that's still an option if you knock every enemy down by hitting their weak point. But when you knock them all down, you run up to them and you have... Well, it's guns, but it's not like real guns. It's, you know, the fantasy metaverse guns, whatever. <laughs> you you hold them up, and you can talk to them instead of all-out attacking them. You can still all-out attack them. Like, that's an option in there. But there's an option to talk, and you gain personas in this game not by just, like, fusing them or finding them or whatever. You gain them by talking to them after you've defeated them as enemies and then convincing them through negotiation to join you. <laughs> That's kind of cool. It is really cool. It almost has like a Pokemon feel, like where you need to like hit them enough and like, you know, disable them, but then capture them and have them become your own, which is really, really cool. And then the other thing is like you can talk to them through negotiation and try to get them to give you um, or to like become a persona for you. Or the other thing you can do is since you already have them in a holdup, you can just ask them for items or money. So it's kind of funny, like, there's a bunch of different talking options, but then there's also just the all-out assault, if you just want to attack them and get the normal battle done with. And is it going to be the kind of the kind of mechanic where there are rarer ones that you can get and collect that you have to negotiate with a certain monster to get the certain personas like that, or is it, how does that work? Um, I think, I don't know, I don't know if there's any super rare ones, Um, I think most of the the crazy like hyper rare ones they're still fusing in this game and fusing is the mechanic in persona where you take multiple personas and put them through whatever process is in that game to fuse them together and they come out as a completely different persona right okay so it's kind of like it's not really like evolving in pokemon that's a really bad analogy it's like fusing in other persona games so you know Typically what I do is if I go through a whole dungeon, which is a palace in this game, I'll go through the palace, I'll pick up like every new persona that I see as I encounter it and fill up my persona collection. And then after I finish that palace, I'll go to where you can fuse them together and I'll just start fusing new ones until I free up a lot of slots so that next time I go into a palace, I can get new ones. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. It's kind of like me and cooking in Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yes, exactly. But the hold up, like hold up as a mechanic and as a style, like it ties into them being these like revels and thieves, you know, like when they knock you down, they're going to hold you up and hit you up for money or power or negotiate for something like it's not just about attacking. It's about sneaking and negotiating and these other things, Hmm. too. So I'm still loving Persona. I have so much more to talk about, but that's probably enough for this week. Do you like it better than four already? I am almost there. I, I don't know yet. Um, I'm in about July, if anyone else is playing right now. I'm like early-ish in July, so I've done about three palaces now. And the first couple characters that I got in my party were not... They weren't bad, but they weren't great. And I also wasn't far, far enough along in the social links or in the confidant you know, um, links and upgrading the social paths to really get to know the people yet. But I'm getting there. And I feel like I'm almost to the point where this is going to overtake Persona 4. 
So okay, I, I anticipate that it will, but I'm not ready to say that yet. I expected it to, but also when something holds such a place in your heart as being the best of anything you've ever played, I know it's really easy to be like, oh no, this is even better. And then later it doesn't have that same kind of oomph that the other one did and that lasting quality. So I'm, I was just curious how it was stacking up right now. It's stacking up very, very well. It's going to be in the top JRPGs list. There's no question. Awesome. Cool. With that, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have our longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And since we're part of a podcast network, you should totally be listening to all of our podcasts. So you can head over to geek2geekcast.net to see if we have anything that tickles your fancy because we do and while you're there sign up for the amazing email list and all of us are upping our game and there's going to be email only content and contests coming your way really soon from the comic box geek Tude, and the geek to geek cast here and my health hacks i blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter and i'm on twitter as at professor beige that's beige with two e's and i blog and occasionally podcast at geekfitness.net we've been void and beige with your geek to geek podcast that'll do it for this week see you next week geeks bye geeks Are you recording now? Yeah, that's your voice right there. And that's mine oh. now. Okay. Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where geeks come to connect. Or am I just supposed to read the highlighted one? Just the highlighted one. Okay. Take two. Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where we ask the question, is patience really a virtue? It probably is. Maybe. Oh, it's going again. Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where we ask the question, is patience really a virtue? Maybe. Probably. Is it? I don't know. Yeah, that's more your tone of voice. You're the best. Are you going to use it? Comics. Hey, everyone. This is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the, the languishing, lascivious Liam of... Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So, join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah.